And now, deep from an underground fortress from an undisclosed location, from Long Island, New York, Miano Gone Wild. Hollies compared us to crazy. crazy. We're crazy in, in a positive way. Miano Gone Wild. Hollies compared us A program like no other. We can tell the truth and it hurts. Hollies compared us Zeal empowered by knowledge. Miano Gone Wild. Hollies compared us Miano Gone Wild with your host, Michael Miano. Defender of truth. Same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. Destroying the strongholds of bondage and setting the captives free. From the Power and Preterism Network, here, here is Michael Miano. All right, well, it is July 3rd, 2018, and I appreciate you taking some time to tune into this podcast. My mic is working. I'm trusting that it is and uh, that we're going to have a insightful and powerful podcast today. I know I'm looking forward to having Mr. David Gates join us here on the podcast live. Um, I'm excited that I know quite a few different people that are tuned in and uh, it looks like it's going to be an edifying time. So what I would like to do is preface this with a moment of a moment of prayer and then move us right into um, some announcements, and then we'll have a quick song, and we'll bring on Mr. David Gates. So let's open praising our mighty and glorious God for all that he has accomplished, all that he is accomplishing, and, of course, lifting up petitions for him to continue to allow us the privilege of seeing him at work. Let's pray. Mighty God, we do indeed thank you for your Abundant blessings, Lord, the abundant and glorious eternal life that you have provided to us, Lord, that you have provided everything pertaining to life and godliness, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for the reality that we have in you, Lord. We thank you for your abundance and your glory and your grace, a renewed grace, a renewed grace that we can find daily, Lord. We thank you that you are found when we seek you, Lord. Thank you. I thank you for Brother David. I thank you for his passion. I thank you for his intelligence. I thank you for all that you've done in and through his life. And uh, I trust that today will be a God-glorifying and saint-edifying podcast. So, Lord, we lift up all things for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, I'm excited. You know, uh, I'm looking here at my calendar, and we have quite a few things coming up um, in the agenda and if I may just bring some of those before you, uh, starting next week, I know I'm already planning for my trip to Ardmore, Oklahoma for Preterist Pilgrim Weekend held by the Preterist Research Institute, Dr. Don K. Preston and them. If you're not familiar with that, you want to go ahead and visit eschatology.org and uh, you can gain all kinds of access and know more about this year's conference, Back to the Basics, happening July 12th to July 14th in Ardmore, Oklahoma. That's looking to be rather exciting. And uh, some other things that are popping up here on my calendar is on July 20th at 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m., that is, Eastern, on this podcast site, you will be able to tune into a live lecture of me speaking on God's past judgment. And that will be my affirmative regarding God's past judgment since the recent 
um, backing out of the debate that Joel Sexton had done. Um, he backed out of our upcoming 2000, uh, August 2018 debate regarding God's judgment. So instead of doing that debate with him, I'm looking forward to um, offering an affirmative of the truth of God's word, the truth of understanding Bible prophecy, and how God has fulfilled his judgment in the past and how we are to understand that today. So that will be 7.30 on July 20th here on Blog Talk Radio backslash MGW Radio. Some other things that are coming up on the calendar, which you'll be hearing me and Brother David Gates talk about, is the Revelation Bible Conference. Um, I believe it's the Book of Revelation Bible Conference happening at the Lakeshore Church of Christ in South Haven, Michigan. And that's going to be happening Friday, August 3rd to Friday, uh, Sunday, August 5th, and that will be at the Lakeshore Church of Christ. A preacher there is Holger Neubauer, and I know I and David are both on the roster there to deliver up sermons or lectures on the details there in the book of Revelation. I'm looking forward to finding out from David tonight what chapter he is going to be covering, and uh, we'll learn a whole bunch more, and I'll tell you, um, be excited, saints, because you're going to be edified on tonight's podcast. So that's what I have for some announcements. What I'm going to do is just bring us into a song and ready our minds for edification that will be brought forth.
Amen to that. He has called us out of darkness into a light so marvelous. Amen. I'm looking forward to bringing Brother David Gates on the show because I know he has a story of being called out of darkness into a light so marvelous. And also, he will challenge you in the Word. So I encourage you, saints, get your Bibles ready because I am about to bring Brother David Gates on live. Hey, brother, how are you? I'm doing terrific, man. How are you doing? I'm fan. I'm doing well, man, and I'm excited to have this podcast with you. So uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. You know, it's been a long time in waiting, right? We've been uh, looking forward to chatting. I know we've had some uh, ups and downs in communicating. So uh, I'm excited to kind of get into the word with you tonight and uh, see what God has planned for us. Amen? Yes, sir. Amen. So um, how All do you right, want to cool. do this? Yeah, you know what I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll just give you a little bit of an overview of some of the things I was thinking, and we'll jump right into it. So uh, first thing I'm hoping for is for you to share a little bit about your testimony. Uh, you know, I mean, some of the things I'm looking to uh, kind of lean in on there is your involvement with the Church of Christ, um, maybe some of your thoughts on how you've grown in your understanding of the gospel um, and other insights that you may have had. And uh, to begin with your testimony, though, I was hoping you might say a little bit about where you're from, uh, some highlights of what the Lord has brought you through, and your current situation. Maybe share, us, share with us a little bit about your family and uh, any ministry efforts that you have going on. Okay. Well, my name is David D. Gates. I'm currently 35 years old um, or young, whichever way you see that. Um, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Um, I grew up till I was 10 in a, a city named Grand Bay, um, sort of on the southern tip of Mobile County, right by the state line by Mississippi. Uh, they're known for the watermelon festivals. Um, at the age of 10, I was adopted, and I became went from the only child to the youngest of four. Um, not sure if any of this had anything to do with uh, where I went from there in my life, but um, not maybe it didn't because I was nine years old um, by the time I had caught my first assault case, um, and uh, my life got progressively worse. Uh, wow, I, I could spend a whole hour just telling you exactly how much legal trouble I had gotten in by the time I was 21, but. Um, by the time this was all said and done, um, I ended up serving approximately over six and a half years in prison um, and being on, well, I'll say my drug counselor asked me what drugs I had done, and I wasn't joking, but I just told her it'd be a lot easier just to tell her the ones that I had never done. And um, Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so I'll say this. I had been... Um, uh, baptized as early as the age six, but my um, my testimony grows from there because um, I learned a lot about it, uh, and the more I got older, I tell you what, by the time I was 20-something, I had probably been baptized maybe five times, but in 2012, um, I finally got incarcerated and started studying Christian evidences and 
um, you know, the fulfilled prophecies, the arguments of the empty tomb, and um, all these logical arguments. And, you know, as I read this book, I felt this uneasy feeling in my stomach. And I always thought I was a Christian. I always thought that I was, you know, saved or even, no matter what I went through or what I had done, I, I felt that I would go to heaven one day in my heart. But I felt this uneasy feeling in the pit of my stomach the more I read these these arguments that I could not overcome. And, and, and I even remember thinking, no, it can't be. And I determined over time that that feeling was the feeling of unbelief leaving me. I never knew that I was not a believer and that that was what my problem was. Um, and then when I was incarcerated, I started studying, and I just I didn't have all these preachers and creed books and all these other things. It was just me and my Bible. But I felt the desire to want to talk to other people about the Word, and no matter what I tried to read to these people straight out of the Bible, they would always try to encourage me was something different than what I was reading, so I would read it again. I would. It didn't matter if you gave me one philosophy that was different than my current views. I'd go back and read the whole New Testament again. I didn't have Google search. <laughs> so um, before I knew it, I done read the New Testament quite a few times, and before I knew it, I was trying to read because I underlined in my New King James Version Bible 94 count times that baptism was mentioned from Matthew to Revelation. And I kept hearing people describe it in ways that were not found in the Bible, and this boggled me. And, and it really frustrated me greatly because I was like, you know, what is wrong here? Why am I seeing something that these guys are not seeing, and all I'm doing is reading my Bible? So I started looking for answers, and I didn't even know what a hermeneutic was at the time, Michael. But the more I studied my Bible, the more I kept asking myself, why is this person turning to this scripture and I'm turning to this scripture? And they seem to think that because it says this over here that that overrides this, how come they can't both be true? And what are we missing here? Hmm. What's the common link? And the more I read, the more I studied, the more I found out that in the like if you start in Romans and you read all the way to Revelation, I underlined and made careful note, and I've even drawn diagrams that in every letter except two, and they're very short letters to individuals, you're going to find a reference to a previous conversation in each one of these letters. And I thought, wow, let's use common sense. How do I feel when a person jumps in the middle of my conversation? They try to comment, but they really don't know what I'm talking about. So why don't I give mm, God the courtesy right. of going back to yeah? So why don't I give God the courtesy of going back to where the conversation began and see if I still reach the same conclusion? And I then I later took hermeneutics in school once I got out, and I found out that they're teaching me the same things that I concluded because it convicted me when somebody brought me a Bible verse. And they seemed to be contradicting what I was trying to tell them, and it frustrated me that I did not know the answer to this. I had a guy shout at the top of his lungs from Romans chapter 4 after I had quoted from James chapter 2, and I think you already know where I'm going at with that. And he <laughs> yeah, shouted at the top. 
Yeah, and he shouted at the top of his lungs across the entire dormitory of inmates and really made me feel quite foolish. And I was just sitting there like, okay, it was by faith. (laughs) But if you keep reading, you'll see the conclusion there that it said that they're justified by faith. All those who walk by the faithful steps of Abraham and then you're right back to his obedience. It's the same thing. And so what I, what I felt that they were missing the more I studied was a simple hermeneutic. Number one, if your mother tells you to take out the trash, um, and she says, and if you don't believe me, <laughs> you know, if she calls you later on, get off the game and, or I'm going to spank you. And if you don't believe me, and if she calls you later on, mm-hmm. Michael, and says, well, did you believe me? What is she actually asking you? She's asking you if you took the trash out. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, if I was, if I understood the force of her words, right. Yeah, she's asking you if you obeyed. So, you know, whenever we, yeah, whenever we see things like that in the Bible, we, we can't use the Bible to execute verses from the Bible. It doesn't work that way. Whatever God says is of force. And, our job is to labor to find out what the harmony is in the Bible, not to try to put one verse against another, but rather reconcile them with each other. And I found that out through my studies. And so in 2012, after finally understanding that Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, I never understood that before, never acknowledged it, or maybe I plain just didn't pay attention. I don't know. But in my conscience, I can honestly say before God, I never acknowledged it before then. And in 2012, I was finally baptized for the forgiveness of my sins after doing all the careful studies that I could and having as many debates with inmates as I could and studying back and forth to see if what they said really was true. And they kept encouraging me, telling me, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that or or something like that. And, you know, so... But I finally rested my soul on the fact that I was obeying God by doing that because it said so straight out of the Bible, and I couldn't really argue with that. And so now I am uh, at the point where I have done uh, blog talk radio before um, with Good News Media Productions. Uh, I I, I preached with them I think Tuesdays and Thursdays for, eh, I don't know, six months. And then Brother Billy Williams, who was the executive producer, went to Michigan last year to cover a debate between Brother Steve Baisden and Drew Leonard. And when he came back from that debate, oh, by the way, I had had a debate on Blog Talk Radio. Y'all can, uh, it's archived. Y'all can look it up. It was June the 17th of last year. I debated a guy named Brandon Bowser who went under the subtitle of Baptist and we had a debate about what must I do to be saved. Uh, after all the inmate, you know, conversations, uh, me and the guy disagreed, and I, I, I challenged him to a debate, and he accepted, and, and we had a nice, polite conversation. Um, and he believed that you're saved by faith or faith only or grace only or something in that effect. And so we had a nice public discussion about that. After that, I started doing my own radio show called Point by Point, and it aired for a little while. But the thing was that debate got covered, and then our entire radio show split because Brother Billy admitted that covenantal eschatology 
had biblical merit after hearing the entire matter. Now, I knew Brother Billy came from uh, being a Pentecostal bishop to being a member of the Church of Christ, so I knew he did not care of let, letting go of any tradition for the sake of truth. And therefore, when he said he felt it had biblical merit, I did start studying it. I thought, well, maybe he's, he's looked over something. Maybe I can study this harder than he did and reach a different conclusion, and if he's wrong, I can pull him back and help, help him. You know, you don't want a brother to err. And so after a careful study, watching almost every debate on YouTube, including uh, a lot of one of the ones that you did, so I had ever heard your voice before I ever, ever, ever met you, um, and I was watching all these debates. <laughs> That's right. That's news, good news gets out quick. <laughs> And um, so, Amen. Yeah, and so I, you know, I kept listening to these things, and and I finally concluded it was right. Uh, covenantal eschatology is truth, and um, so I, I don't mind changing any of my viewpoints. I, I'm not a traditionalist. I do not care to uphold the opinion, doctrine, or tradition of a man. Um, I only care for the truth. I only want to present the gospel the way one of the apostles would have. And I think that if we look deep enough in the word, we're going to see exactly how they presented it. And since all the New Testament letters point back to the book of Acts, let me present to you that if you do the same things that they did, you're going to get the same results they got. And that is a saved soul. And um, because, you know, I was just looking at this in Psalm chapter 89, and speaking of the new covenant coming in, it says that God would not alter the thing which has come out of his mouth. He would not alter it. And in Isaiah chapter 2, it said all nations would flow into the house of the mountain of the Lord in the last days. And it said that the word would go forth out of Jerusalem. It said the law would go forth. Hey, guess what? Out of Zion. That couldn't have been the Mosaic law, right? So we're talking about the hmm. new covenant. And it said that whatever went forth out of his mouth, it would not be altered. And Isaiah 2 said it would go forth to all nations. So whatever was preached in the beginning from Jerusalem is the word that would not be altered. And people are overlooking that, I believe. And so whenever Jesus gets down to Luke 24, he tells them that it's just like it was prophesied. Starting at verse 44, go read that. He said it's just like it was prophesied. He said that repentance and remission of sins would first be preached from Jerusalem. So, and then it would be to all nations. So whenever we keep all that stuff right there in the context, this was the new and living way, which was to last as long as the kingship of Christ, which is as long as the sun and moon, which is forever and ever. <laughs> Amen. So, Amen. But um, now you know, I, wanted to take I just started doing, something. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wanted to take you back to something you were talking about with uh, with baptism, right? And okay. I know you had said this. I have a, I have a couple of quotes written down from you and uh, watching some of your videos there on Facebook Live. And I enjoyed what you had said. You said this, quote, God gave us references to show what his salvation is in the New Testament. If only we would use them. And I thought that was a really mm -hmm. good point because, I, you know, in, in discussions between you and I, We've talked about baptism. Obviously, we've brought up correlations, or you've brought up correlations, between 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Exodus chapter 14. Then we go over and we look at 2 Peter 3, and we can, you know, we can see how that works with the, the flood of Noah's day in Genesis 6 and 8. And 
I thought you brought forth some really good details on baptism. So for those that may be listening and are contemplating baptism and are wondering, you know, what is the significance of baptism? I'm hoping, can you share some, give us some insight on that? What, you know, why, why should someone get baptized and what is the significance of that baptism? Well, absolutely. I would love to. And, you know, yeah, like, you know, we can get caught up pointing at all the New Testament verses that we want, pointing back and forth. This one says faith. This one says baptism. You know, and to the point that they don't realize that all we all we need is a couple of New Testament verses in the Old Testament to show you exactly what baptism does. If you go to 1 Corinthians right. chapter 10, it says that Moses baptized them in the sea. Isn't that awesome? But, you know, the Passover lamb had already been killed uh, in the Old Testament, and, and, and go to Exodus 14. The Passover lamb had already been killed. Jesus Christ is our Passover. Think about this. It's, and then they were led from the house of bondage. But guess what? They were not free from the bondage, the, the person that was keeping them in bondage yet, because they were still following them. And get this. The cloud led them to the sea. And that was God leading them to the sea. What was it then? He told Moses in Exodus chapter 14, verse 20, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Wow. Think about that for a minute, people, please. It said, see the salvation of the Lord. It said that he baptized them in the sea. Wow. And then check this out. The Israelites went into the sea. So did the people that had them in bondage. The Israelites came out. The people that had them in bondage didn't. Ain't that awesome? And then it isn't until. It wasn't until after they came out of the sea. I think verse 30 or 31, it said, thus the Lord saved them that day. And, you know, a lot of people want to talk about how to be saved. Well, we can't be saved unless we do what God said because the truth is what sets free. And God's word is the truth, John 17, 17, John 8, 31, and 32. So we've got to keep these things into perspective. And if we really want to have the kind of conscience that is truly free indeed, guess what? The true results of the Passover was not realized until they came out of the sea. Because it was the Passover that started this, right? The death of the firstborn, this caused the push from Egypt. That, that's what caused the push, but it was not realized. You might say until they came out of the sea, and you might even say 40 years later, depending on your perspective on that. I won't argue too much, but at least until they came out of the sea. Now, if you go to Noah, look at what Noah did. It, it, it says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I'm not sure your exact perspective on that. I don't want to get into a long discussion on that, but let me say this. I don't think it would be fair for God to just kill some people without them being warned. So uh, perhaps Noah did call the people to repentance. And uh, based on my studies of the ark, there was enough room to house a lot more people in there than just Noah and his family. <laughs> so hmm, you think about enough. this. Noah, Noah, it says in, 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 in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, guess what? Was Noah saved uh, when was Noah saved? That's your question, okay? Noah was obeying God all this time, all this time, obeying God. Guess what? Was he saved yet? Well, quite frankly, there was no flood to be saved from as yet. Now, think about this. 
it says the like figure whereunto baptism does also now save us. Now it's not the it's not the it's not the washing of the flesh. It's not got anything to do with water touching your physical body. It's not removing dirt, but it is the point at which a person can give a clean answer. To, uh, according to their conscience with God, that is the, the moment in history when a person can say that they have that. Now, guess what? Noah's flood washed the world that it spoke of from sin. That's right. That's exactly what them floodwaters did. The sinful people stayed in the water. Noah was lifted out. Guess what? That's the light figure that baptism saves you. Noah was not saved hmm. at any point in history until he was lifted out of the water. And he was not lifted out of the water but by the word of God, and that word of God was what caused him to create that ark. So it all fits together like a hand in glove. We don't need to point back and forth at a whole bunch of New Testament passages to see that. That is the shadow. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that's what I thought you laid that out really well, actually, and uh, it's definitely challenged me quite a bit. You know, there's another thing that you had brought up uh, when we first started talking, and it was talking about you had coined a phrase, and it was incremental accountability. And I liked that conversation. I, I, I really did. I, I enjoyed some of the insights that you seemingly brought up. It challenged me, um, to be honest. Uh, it challenged me with baptism, due to the fact that at one point I could say all right, I haven't investigated it and I have not looked into it. However, after listening to you and discerning the scriptures and obviously seeing the force there of uh, that text in Peter where it does speak about baptism now saves you, um, I felt, you might say, I started to feel that incremental accountability in my own life where I was like, okay, well now you're being held accountable to the things that you're learning and you're having knowledge of. And uh, where do you stand with that lately? Do you still... uh, you still hold into that incremental accountability, and maybe you'll share a little bit about that with those that are listening. Well, first of all, let me explain how I believe this actually works. Jesus talks about the Word of God being like the seed. Now, he also says that God provides seed for birds, and we are much more important than birds. So let me first of all stress that I do believe that God has made the seed readily available to mankind. I don't believe that that means that you are going to know everything about it before you die, but I do believe he will provide a way for you to respond to it. Now, me and you talking, that's giving you a, a way to uh, to respond to it in any way that you come to know that you haven't, if any. Now, that's where your increments come into play. Some people say, well, what if I didn't have much time? Well, guess what? Jesus uses a parable, and he says that to whom much is given, much will be required. And, some, and I've even heard a person respond to that. See, that's why I don't get into this. That's why I don't study this because now I'm not going to be held accountable. <laughs> guess what? You've been given much time, though. Therefore, you have increments of time to answer for as a steward of your life and how you spent it. You have increments there. So, in the increments of your life, here's, here's the way I see this. If you can honestly account to God that you use the time of your life wisely enough to seek him, you are only going to be held accountable to the knowledge that you attain, seeing that you were, listen to this part now, 
seeing that you were actually seeking him with your whole heart, soul, and mind, he's not just going to pull this rabbit out the hat and say, oh, by the way, but I bet you didn't know this. <laughs> it's not going to work that way because the whole duty of mankind is, it, I mean, you talk about knowing him and keeping his commandments, but listen, listen to this. Paul preaches incremental accountability. When the command came, sin revived, I died. This was coming, by the way, from a perfectly alive and breathing Paul, so we're talking about spiritual death here. Now, so as the commandment comes, you become accountable to that command, no matter what it is. That is the growth of a Christian. It's just like a baby. A baby is given grace to grow. If a two-year-old picks up a pistol and shoots his sister in the face, Lord forbid. Will they be held accountable to that in court? No. Now, why? Because the baby doesn't know any better. That baby's been given grace to grow, and constantly in Scripture, we're seeing the Christian life and growth compared to a father-son relationship. Whenever you become a child of God, that's grace, and you also have grace to grow. There may be something that you're not technically all correct about, maybe, but he's also given enough inside of ourselves to give us a great measure to repent from immediately. If you go and look, atheist, anything from atheist to Buddhist to Muslim to Christian, we all believe in goodness toward our fellow man. So that's not something you got out of the law of Moses. That's gotten out of the law of conscience. So, yes, you already know that there are certain things you need to not do anymore because you're already condemned in your own conscience. Now, whatever you don't know beyond that, that is ultimately between you and God. But if you are honestly, truly seeking him with your whole heart, and you just haven't attained to a certain level of knowledge, I believe there's grace there. I believe that. Amen. So do I. I definitely agree with that. I, uh, I appreciate you explaining that a bit. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to bring us into was something that you were sharing with me recently regarding the Lord's Supper. And I remember you, you sharing some thoughts through Messenger that... Uh, some of the details you were saying about the Lord's Supper put the futurist view, if you will, um, to rest and anybody that would come against a more uh, cohesive uh, covenant eschatology. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit with us about the Lord's Supper. Okay, sure. Um, first of all, um, in explaining the Lord's Supper, Jesus, the night which he was betrayed, we all know this very well. He took bread. He broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And he also took the fruit of the vine. And then when he drank it, he said, this is the New Testament of my blood. Guess what? Why would he say New Testament? If this was, first of all, in addressing uh, this uh, potential uh, very closely associated to Israel only type uh, universalist type of view, which would say mm -hmm. that this was in the, in the things that was to be done away. Well, first of all, let me point out to you that he said that's the new Testament in his blood, that cup right there. Um, so by force of logic, you know, being consistent, if you do away with the cup, you're doing away with the blood. Um, I mean, who really wants to do that? First of all, now, um, I think let me let me pull up here. I think there was a specific way that I had asked this question. Um, yeah, it pretty much is the death 
of futurism, if you will. Um, I think it's even in your messages. Um, but, oh, yeah, it was the till I come part. Is that the really the matter you're uh, referring to here? Yes, yeah. Okay, yes. And as it pertains to futurism, now, first of all, as it pertains to today, the shadows that were uh, the law being a shadow of things that which were to currently uh, at law, it was actually a shadow which was current then of things to come was spoken of in Hebrews 10. Now, guess what? If you keep moving on down through Hebrews 10, first of all, it calls the washing with water and sprinkling of the conscience part of the new and living way if you go read the entire context of that. But guess what? Things which were being done away, <laughs> what was the shadow leading up to the Lord's Supper? There was a shadow. That was The Lord's Supper was the reality of the shadow. See, the things that were of the new and living way, Jesus said, this is my blood in the New Testament. Therefore, they're in the New Testament of my blood. Therefore, we can conclude that's part of the new and living way just as much as baptism was. Whenever the uh, Old Testament was completely fulfilled, um, that doesn't, if that's the case, you shouldn't even go to church no more. You shouldn't give anymore because, matter of fact, it was fulfilled whenever Paul said, uh, you know, give on the first day of the week. He said, that way there will be no givings when I come. If you're going to be consistent with that, you better not pass no more collections plate on Sunday. And I, I bet there ain't too many preachers going to like that one. <laughs> but anyway, right. let, let's go to the futurist part. First Corinthians 11. He said, you do this as often as you do this. And first of all, let's, let me stress something here. Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life in you. I want to talk about the reality of this real quick before I say this, okay? Well, that would mean that's a salvational issue if I don't do this the way that the Lord is pleased with. Well, in Acts 27, it said upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. And when Paul rebuked them for their misuse of it, he said, therefore, when you come together, you are not coming to break bread. That shows that the purpose of proclaiming the Lord's death on the first uh, first day of the week well, guess what? Same purpose as meeting on the first day of the week because that's the day he rose from the dead. Think about it. Why would you come together to remember his resurrection and not proclaim his death, first of all, if it is something to be done today? Now, watch this. And I think I've already stressed that it is. Sabaton, the Greek word in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, is a Greek word which gives a reference to something which is a weekly convocation. It should have been translated different, I believe, to stress that that was something they did every first day of the week when they came together. So that's another thing. So it's frequency. It says as often as you do this, you, you do show the Lord's death. Jesus said it's the New Testament of his blood. Do this in remembrance of me. How often do you pass the collection plate? You don't hear them argue about that. They argue about how often you should take the Lord's Supper, but he said if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life in you. I would argue that you should take it every day, every Lord, every first day of the week, uh, specifically as it uh, says to in the Bible. Now, what about till I come? Here's the part we were getting into. You do show the Lord's death till he come. Well, first of all, if you ask a futurist if they believe that they commune in the Lord's body and blood, if they, if they literally believe that they commune with Jesus in the Lord's Supper, they're going to say yes. Well, guess what? The Corinthian church, look at the words there. Till he come, 
Well, let me ask you a question, Michael. If you call your kid at home and say, hey, be good till I come home, doesn't that naturally imply that you're not there? That's right. Okay. Well, this verse also implies that his presence was not yet realized. And that's an important thing for futurists because they're going to say that they believe that they're taking the Lord's Supper anew with him in the kingdom. Here's the problem. If they say that, they automatically have to say that the Lord came because of the force of the language in 1 Corinthians 11. That means till he come, he was not there. He said, if I don't go away, the spirit will not come. Hmm. That means while the spirit was there, his parousia was not yet realized. So all of these things have to be taken in perspective. But if you don't continue to take the Lord's Supper today, you have to argue that they're going to be taking the Lord's Supper in heaven. But flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So there they have a problem. They never have a fulfillment of the Lord fulfilling his promise that he would drink the wine anew in the kingdom unless they argue for one of two things. One, today taking the Lord's Supper is taking it anew with him in the kingdom, seeing as how his presence was not yet realized in the Corinthian letter, if they believe they take it now anew. Or they believe they have to take it in heaven one day. <laughs> or since they don't believe flesh and blood inherits the kingdom, they have an unfulfilled prophecy of Jesus. And I'd, I'd say that's pretty dangerous. That could even lead as far as saying he was a false prophet. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, I, and hmm. when's your debate? That's a good word. Um, actually, well, the debate has since been canceled um, regarding oh. judgment and Lord Supper. Yeah, he backed out of the debate. Um, you know, to the glory of God, that's okay, because I had mentioned before I'm actually going to be doing a presentation on July 16th um, regarding the judgment of God. I'll be offering an affirmative from uh, here on the pod- podcast. Um, and live at the Blue Point Bible Church. So, um, moving ahead, just I'd rather rather than debate, you know, and I'm sure you would probably agree with me here. Rather than debate, I like to affirm. You know, I don't really want to be back and forth debating. Just you know, just like you were pointing out with the with the New Testament, there's no need to take verses and hold them against each other and to do all these strange gymnastics as we're reading the scriptures. You know, the details become rather clear if we if we want them to be consistent. And obviously you would agree with me with the preterist, you know, details there that when we look at God's judgment and the revealing of God's judgment, especially as, as is outlined by, uh, you know, prophetic words of Jesus in Matthew 23 and 24, also the book of Revelation, it becomes very clear that that judgment is in the past. You know, and, and yes. another point I'll even say on that, um, something that really boggles my mind is that people fail to read John chapter 3, where Jesus himself said, that the judgment, he, he highlighted even before the fulfillment of A.D. 70, that the judgment was essentially passed. That, you know, he says, those that believe in me are not condemned. Those that do not believe in me hmm. are condemned already. <laughs> you know, that, that judgment was passed. So um, I'll be bringing out some details in that regard later in the month. And uh, also in my presentation that I'll be doing there at the uh, Lakeshore Church of Christ. Um, regarding Revelation chapter 14. And I noticed that we're getting up on the time, so I wanted to have you finalize some thoughts with us. And uh, one thing I wanted to say, you know, regarding you, brother, is I do want to say thank you because 
you're an example. When I read, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Martin Lloyd-Jones. No, sir, not yet. He, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a preacher. He was a, I don't know how to, I don't know how to uh, categorize him. He was sort of a Methodist Pentecostal. Um, he kind of, he didn't like to be boxed in is the right way to put it. And he said something that's always stuck with me. He said that preaching is logic on fire. And when I think of that phrase and I break it down, honestly, as I watch a lot of your videos, I always think, now that brother has logic on fire. So, uh, you know, that's why I really wanted to bring you on and um, have some conversation with you. So that being noted, I'm going to ask that uh, you end the podcast, giving us a little bit of detail, going back to what I had asked you about in the beginning. um, Where are you at now? You know, what is God doing in your life now? I know you're preparing for the conference in August. I'm curious to know what chapter you're going to be preaching on. And also, if you may just share with us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing, you know, uh, what does your family look like? And also, I know you developed your new online podcast. So if you might share some details about that as well. Okay. Um, No problem. Actually, um, I am scheduled to do Revelation chapter six, the opening of well, it's amazing because I don't get to do the seventh seal, <laughs> but we're we're all going to build off of each other. <laughs> they shouldn't have put them text, uh, textual divisions in there after all, should they? <laughs> um, That's right. That's after, right. Yeah, I want to develop uh, this as much as I can. I'm, I'm completely done uh, writing all my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically trying to make time every day. Um, and, and I'm more of a radio slash podcast uh less of a public speaker. So I, I've got to really do a lot of work and get into this to where I can deliver it publicly. And, uh, that's something I'm trying to work through. Um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to develop the seals, you know, and show their consistency with Matthew 24. I go to the old Testament and show where God's judgment was sealed in Leviticus 26. That is only he was able to either give, give the blessings or the curses. Um, it, it's still, it said it was sealed in, this, in the same place as his treasures was. And so I want to develop that very, very, uh, as much as I can. And um, also, um, yeah, with the family, we're doing good. Got five of my six kids here um, living at home with me in OPP, that's Op Alabama. And, um, you know, trying to, you know, I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, I can't complain at all. Uh, health's good. Um, yeah, and I've, I've I've recently been able, after a lot of hard work, and special thanks to Daniel Rogers, who is my, I call him my computer ninja sidekick. And, uh, yeah, I started doing a podcast on uh, YouTube uh, live. I did my first episode, well, redid my first episode last night. If y'all would like to go and look that up, feel free to. I try to involve Christian evidence. I try to deliver the word precisely the same way that an apostle would. I do not want to change or alter anything because I tell you what, I don't want to be held uh, blamed for altering the thing that has gone forth out of his lips for the new and living way. And that that's for certain, man. Um, and, and so if y'all, y'all want to look that up and, and subscribe that, you know, I, I, I don't want to let y'all down. I want to give y'all something that is 
high-end technology, something that you can look at and see with your own eyes, and you may not even have to get up and, and reach for your Bible it, so it can be right there, and you can just study along with me, and, and, and we can study some of these things and, and use, like you said, logic, man. We got we to gotta approach the Word of God with logic, and it's so easy for our conscience to be uh, seared by our own traditions, and we have to be mindful of those things or we're going to end up falling short. Amen. Amen, brother. That's a, that's a good word. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you before I let you leave us. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that me and you will – I'm hoping that I'll, I'll continue to tune into what you're doing with your podcasts. And prayerfully, you'll consider uh, joining me here on podcasts every once in a while to go a bit deeper. Again, today was more of a introductory, cursory type of podcast, but I'm looking forward to uh, having more talks with you and diving deeper into the Word of God. Amen? Sounds good to me, man. Amen. All right, cool. Well, if you don't mind, uh, I'll pray for you. And if you don't mind, before you just end up, leave the show, if you could just lift up a prayer as well, that's cool. Yes, sir. Sounds awesome. All right, cool. So let's pray, brother. Mighty God, I do indeed thank you for my brother David, Lord. I thank you for uh, the passion that you've put in his heart. I thank you for the, the clarity of mind, the good conscience, Lord, that you have given him. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for the obedience that the gospel calls us to. Um, Lord, we thank you for your grace because we know how wide that grace is. And uh, we just praise you. We, we thank you for the abundance of love and mercy and knowledge that you have poured forth on the saints, Lord. And we just ask that you would continue to empower us to walk worthy. Um, Lord, I pray for my brother David and I pray for his family. I pray for his work with the podcast and even his ministry there in Alabama, Lord, I would pray that you would just bless him, him abundantly, Lord, and that you would continue to give him that straight path that he would follow you. Um, Lord, we know you are far above our ways, and we thank you for allowing us to know your mind, to know you, Lord, through the Spirit. And we magnify your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord God, at this time, I want to thank you so much for this day. And thank you so much for all the blessings that you give us, Lord, even the trials and tribulations of life that help mold us into the people that we're supposed to be, Lord, that we can embrace these things with open arms so that your strength can be made perfect in our weakness and so that we can learn not to lean on flesh and blood, Lord God, but you and your holy ways. Lord God, at this time, I want to lift up Michael. And Lord God, I want to pray that you will give him the type of heart that he needs, that if there's anything in his life that's touching him and pulling on him, any unresolved issues, Lord God, in his life, or anybody that's listening this night, Lord God, if there's anything that they've heard this night that they have not resolved or submitted to in your name, Lord God, that you will give them the type of heart that they need so that they can respond to your holy word in whatever way that they need to, so that they can know that they have salvation in your name, Lord God. I want to ask, Lord God, that you will help us be your living letters written with the spirit of you. Just in case, like Paul and Silas, we are the Bibles that a person is reading, that someone may even see how we are living and ask us those same words that the Philippian jailer did, Lord and ask us, what must they do to be saved? And, Lord God, please help us to have the type of diligent hearts and study ethics that we need that we could actually 
acquire the knowledge we need to to give that person. As Peter said, having the Lord God sanctified in our heart, being ready to give an answer to any man, and as Paul said, with seasoned words. Lord, please be with us as we seek to live this life in your name, and please forgive us for the times that we fail you as we submit to your law of pardon. All these things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Um, I look forward to communicating with you more and uh, further sanctifying Christ in my heart. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Well, I'll be in touch. God bless you. You too, man. Have a good day. Thanks. All right. So that was Brother David Gates. That's some powerful stuff. And, uh, you know, I really do want to challenge us that that text brother brother david just brought up there first peter chapter 3 verse 15 where it tells us to what really stuck with me was to sanctify christ in my heart so that i would be able to give an answer to those who ask of the hope that i have i might challenge you saints tonight go and do a study on what it means to sanctify christ in your heart challenge yourself in that regard Walk worthy of the call that we have in Christ so that we may see the healing of the nations. I just want to leave you with this quote here from, I had mentioned Martin Lloyd-Jones, and I would encourage you to check out Martin Lloyd-Jones. He has a book um, called Preaching and Preachers, and he has a lot of great things to say in that. I know that's one of the books I have on my bookshelf, and I'll just share with you a couple quick thoughts as we end the podcast today. And speaking about preaching, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the whole business of preaching and of the gospel is to bring men and women face to face with the living God. For Martin Lloyd-Jones, the church was a specialist institution that alone is called of God to deal with man's deepest and most fundamental problem, his broken relationship with God. Martin Lloyd-Jones goes on to talk about reason and logic, as Brother David had pointed out, um, when we talk about logic on fire. And he said this, reason is a very wonderful thing. I'm not here to say a word against it. In fact, I am trying my best at this moment to reason with you. I try to do it always. When I preach, I do not tell stories about myself or anybody else. I do not just make people sing choruses and try and work them up. I reason with them. God forbid that I should say a word against reason. I believe it is the gift of God to man, the thing that differentiates him from an animal. But reason alone does not help us at the most important points in life and with respect to the most important things. Hold on to that, saints. Well, as you know, these are our random podcasts here on MGW. Uh, prayerfully, you found MGW Apologetics on Facebook. You've liked the fan page and that you will stay tuned in. Until next time, saints, you can catch me at the brook. Yeah, as a deer past flowing streams. Yeah, so my soul for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Catch me at the brook. brook.
I used to Jack Daniels, chase Bloody Mary. I never touched the virgins, nah, they too scary. And then to me, you guys, since the day of my birth. Now I'm a walking right billboard, obeying my thirst. My lips used to sip from sick mixed elixir. Now I big gulp from big fits of scripture. Living water all in my picture, get the picture. Blowing out okay. my heart is the best kind of yeah. addiction. Yeah. If I go days without seeking his face and start showing, a week outside his presence in the world starts knowing. Sometimes my earnest prayer is to erase my brain. Cause 20 years as a Vegas got my mind trained. Broke up with the world like I need my face, I gotta breathe. But then she looked me in my face like you ain't gotta leave. The landlord clued me in till you're cheating. I need more for a reason, so I got to get leaving. Your face I need to constantly see. I need more. Never feel I'm reaching my peak. I need more. My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord. I need more. I need more. I'm thirsting after God. Find peace in your mercy and grace. I need more. Find shelter in no other place. I need more. My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord. I need more. I need more, you can catch me at the broad Forget diamonds in his presence, I stay laced With a shine like Moses when I'm seeking his face My gratitude for the water was Bottle it up and try to sell it like a telemarketer Until I die or they martyr us The water's aquaphobia, they're scared of the water cause yeah. So this is how I advertise You can drink from other sources but your soul's never satisfied 737, 8611, catch me at the brook, taking sense to heaven, never get enough cranks, fill my soul up, cause all the world's wells either dry or they done froze up, greater than Jacob, look at John 4 sitting near, Jesus makes an offer, the water's like a sitting near, all the women and men who live in this sitting near, catch us at the brook, where we be getting it in and in, your face I need to constantly see, I need more. 